You think I'm preaching too hard? You have lost your mind. Shall we all pray? Almighty and ever-blessed God, we thank Thee for these words that we have sung together, that we can approach Thee, the High and Mighty One, and come in the name of Him whose name prevails. Lord, help us tonight by Thy Holy Spirit that all our trust and dependence may be upon Jesus Christ. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Grant us a broken heart and a contrite spirit to rejoice in thy word and in the grace that thou hast revealed to us in thy Son. Help us, we beseech thee, and cleanse us from every sin. For Jesus' sake, amen. Our text this evening is in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, and the words that we find at verse 15. Genesis 3 and verse 15 And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel This third chapter of the book of Genesis has to be on any reckoning one of the most important chapters in all Holy Scripture. This is the chapter which makes clear to us why the world is in the moral and spiritual condition that it's in tonight. It reveals to us that the human race was not the first creation of God, that they were spiritual beings, spiritual principalities and powers created by God, and from that number of holy angels some fell and became demonic evil spirits led by Satan and we have in this chapter the disclosure that this demonic power set to dishonor God and to ruin God's creation beguiled Eve and Adam led them to believe a lie and the scripture says by one man sin entered the world and death by sin there is no accounting for what we know and read day by day of the world in which we live apart from the revelation of this chapter but that is not the only reason why it is so important there is a greater reason the Bible is a book about the grace of God and grace has to do with God's purpose to restore, to make good all that sin has wrought. Christ, the coming Messiah, first promised in this text. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, we read in scripture, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus before his crucifixion said now shall the prince of this world be cast out Christ has come to deal with all the effects of sin and it's as we read this chapter that we have great beginning of the unfolding 
of God's work of redemption and salvation. Now, in our text, you might say we have the first sermon. Martin Luther says, this is a text that encompasses all that is noble and glorious in all the word of God. It's the first announcement of God's great purpose of grace. The congregation is Adam and Eve and the serpent and behind the serpent of course Satan. And the text is made up of two parts. There is a word of condemnation, warning, threatening to Satan. And then there is a word of grace and promise made to man. And as I say, grace then becomes the theme of all the word of God. And our subject tonight is why the grace of God is such a surprising, wonderful thing. The first reason I want you to consider with me why grace is so surprising is the way in which it is surprising to Satan himself. Satan's purpose in leading Adam into sin was his knowledge that Adam was the head of a whole race and that if Adam could be brought into sin then all his posterity would die with him and henceforth live in alliance with Satan. God had said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. The devil understood. And his purpose was that the human race, instead of being the servants of God, would become his friends. They would serve him. He would be God of this world. He would be the prince forever. That is his purpose. Sin to draw men into alliance with Satan. And our text is an announcement that his purpose was not going to be fulfilled. I will put, God says, enmity, hostility, a division between you, Satan, and the woman. Between your seed, your offspring, and her offspring. So there is going to be a great offspring of Eve who will not be in alliance with Satan. Who will not serve him. Who will belong to God. That's the announcement. And if we are Christians this evening we understand already something of what this means. We remember many of us when we thought we were living for ourselves when we were selfish and proud and vain and lived for our own pleasure and interest and we knew not at the time that we were actually prisoners that there is a power in this world the spirit, scripture says that now works in the children of disobedience we knew not that we were the willing servants of that power. Jesus said to the Jewish rulers on one occasion, you are of your father the devil and the desires, the lusts of your father ye will do. If we're Christians, I say we understand what that means. Once, as we were born into this world, we were dead in sin. We did live for ourselves. 
Something happened to us. We were removed out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into relationship with the Son of God. And that is what is promised in this text. Satan's purpose to have all mankind permanently in friendship with him that purpose is not going to stand. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Great multitude of Eve's offspring would be the people of God. Satan is going to be disappointed and confounded. My friends, we need to remember that. Satan makes great pretensions, pretensions great claims. But God, we read in Scripture, is great in counsel and mighty in working. And right through history we see how purposes of Satan are turned so that the gospel itself is advanced. We were recently in the South Pacific and a wonderful record there of missionary enterprise so long ago. First missionary to the island of Aromanga in Vanuatu. First missionary, a man called John Williams, landed on the coast of that cannibal island in the year 1839 he only lived for about half an hour before he was killed the devil wanted to keep his prey in peace but what happened when the news went back to Samoa that these dark poor benighted people in Eromanga had put to death a servant of Christ a hundred men and women Christians in Samoa native Christians went to Aramanga themselves. Church was established. 1956, more near, near our own day, you remember how five young Americans went into the jungle in Ecuador to seek the Alca Indians to help them, to bless them, all put to death. What happened? Grace came. Murderers of these men converted. Today, pastors and teachers and a church amongst the Alka people the devil's purposes are not fulfilled and in the great consummation of all things which is before us the whole kingdom of darkness will finally be utterly overthrown I say it's a surprising announcement to Satan it's surprising secondly, wonderfully surprising to Adam and to Eve God called them after they had sinned and they hid themselves from God shame guilt they knew that they were unworthy they knew of God's great love to them as innocent beings whom he had created they did not know love to the guilty and the ill-deserving those who merited judgment they did not know that and what we have in this text when Adam is brought to hear the voice of God is not an announcement of judgment and condemnation but a great promise seed of Eve would belong to God and be his people and Adam called his wife his wife's name Eve we read here the mother of all living it really means Eve she who gives life she who gives life who had first believed a lie and fallen grace comes grace is about the love of God to the undeserving to the ill deserving 
It's the first disclosure of grace. And my friends, it is a wonderful, surprising thing. Adam and Eve did not expect it. None of us who become Christians actually expected what happened to us when God first convicted us and then revealed his grace to us. Did we? Our conversion wasn't planned. We didn't anticipate it. We didn't prepare for it. But God came to us in need and unworthiness and revealed to us his amazing love. That's true in all the scriptures. Every conversion we read of, not one of them was planned. Christ calls Nathaniel. How do you know me, says Nathaniel to Jesus. Oh, when you were under the fig tree, Jesus says, I saw you. He knows all about us. Every conversion, Matthew and blind Bartimaeus and Saul of Tarsus and every conversion, past and present, is a wonderful, surprising thing. comes to us in a way we never thought of, never dreamed of. We sang that beautiful hymn by John Newton, Approach my soul, the mercy seat. Here's a man, far from God, thrown away, Christian upbringing God met him in a wild storm on the Atlantic and for the first time he began truly to cry to God for mercy God had come to him became a new believer so I say with every conversion and you know because conversion is such a surprising thing it is an exciting thing when the prodigal son came home elder brother could see nothing to rejoice in, to sing about, to dance about but there was something something that makes angels, our Lord says, joy in heaven grace of God revealed to needy men and women the hymn goes, doesn't it I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me sinner, condemned unclean. That's it. That's what our text is saying. God comes to Adam and Eve in the point of their shame and sin and guilt and God announces to them wonderful promise. Then there's something more. This grace of God is amazing and wonderful because it's continuing the text makes clear this isn't something that's going to happen once but it's going to go on happening through all the ages I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed God will go on doing it and that's exactly what we see is it not in the story of the Bible what do we find when we open our Old Testaments well we find some people that are the offspring of Satan living for this world Cain unbelief sin oh yes but there's another great multitude Abel and Seth and Enoch who walks with God and Noah righteous lot as a division it's the text being fulfilled God is claiming men and women he's putting enmity between Satan and the seed of the woman and the whole story develops Isaac and Ishmael 
children of Israel, Philistines. There's a great division because God's grace is intervening. God is not giving Satan leave to rule the human race. And God doesn't say, I will advise. He says, I will put enmity, hostility. That, that's what he does. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Again, Christians know in their own experience the things we used to love, the things that absorbed us, the things we used to read. Something has happened to us. We no, no, no longer love those things. God has put something in our hearts that turns us from so much that once we loved. That's grace. Remember how at Ephesus, Luke says, they bought books, literature, worth 50,000 pieces of silver. They once had prized these books. Unclean books, no doubt. And they burned them. They didn't love them anymore. That's what grace does. When God's grace intervenes in life, something dramatic happens. Life changes. Communities can change. It's so encouraging about the history of revival. There have been times in history when it seemed as though the devil was going to carry everything before him. Psalm says, When the wicked spring as the grass, and all the workers of iniquity do prosper. And at such times, the church sometimes begins to think that the prospects are far from hopeful. But God fulfills his promise. Puts enmity in the hearts of sinners who he has changed and they turn from what they once served and in many numbers they become his people second great awakening in America revolutionary war French philosophy Voltaire, Rousseau all that period when Tom Paine's books were eagerly bought if there had been television there everybody would have been speaking about Tom Paine's rights of man on the television it seemed as though these United States were going to be far from God and then in the 1790s outpouring of the spirit of God right down the east coast multitudes of people churches built missionary societies begun Bible societies the whole tone of the nation was changed second great awakening it's this promise God putting enmity God doing something that's unceasing that's what I say our text assures us I will put enmity between thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed God will do it God is doing it we pray that we will see him do it more and more it's continuous unceasing grace Jonathan Edwards once wrote a book the narrative of surprising conversions why surprising? well there had been no awakening for some years then in 1735 in Northampton God worked power among the people surprising yes in a way surprising but not in another way it's God's promise now there's a fourth reason why grace is so surprising and I think it's a very wonderful reason it's that grace is the only thing that can turn affliction and pain into blessing it does that and you know there's a lot in this chapter that points us to that if this chapter is read carelessly it may give the impression 
that from this point onwards this world is going to be a place in which God's judgment is going to prevail over everything sweat of thy brow thou shalt eat bread cursed is the ground for thy sake Adam driven out of paradise is this all a picture of gloom and judgment not at all not at all God drove man out of paradise because paradise is not the place for fallen sinners fallen sinners if they were left in paradise and in prosperity and in luxury would go deeper and deeper into sin what we need as fallen men and women is discipline and chastisement yes and pain and disappointment and this world is a place of trial and affliction and the text says so but what's the purpose of this it's that in the mercy of God our need our affliction turns us to God God blesses it paradise would not be a blessing for sinners God didn't turn man out of paradise into hell he turned man out of paradise into a world most suited to his condition and for the people of God that great multitude who is gathering in trial and affliction illness these things are medicinal they lead us to God that's what the Bible teaches us so often doesn't it psalmist says before I was afflicted I went astray but now I have kept thy word how often we read in my distress I called upon the Lord that's right the psalmist says it is good for me that I have been afflicted how many Christians have said that passing through pain and sorrow trial bereavement it may be realizing in the deeper sense they need they found that it was good for them why? because God in his mercy can take afflictions and turn them into blessings isn't that what Paul says? I besought the Lord he said thrice that this might be taken from me some affliction he had earnestly he sought God's deliverance and he got an answer and you remember what it was the Lord said unto him my grace is sufficient for thee and so Paul says most gladly therefore will I glory in infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me that's it affliction, trial grace takes hold of it grace turns it into blessing let me give you an example of that from history that's not so very long ago for some of us second world war terrible time of suffering for so many there's a book called Miracle on the River Kwai I'm sure some of you have read it by Ernest Gordon that's a story of a concentration camp on the Burma Railway remember when the Japanese were driving prisoners, American, British Zealanders and others using them as slaves to build a railway to carry armaments and munitions to the front in India time of terrible suffering many died and in the midst of that darkness something surprising and wonderful happened 
And this book, Miracle on the River Kwai, tells us what it was. Let me read you a few words. One of the men who was a prisoner in this camp, he says, The first acts of our recovery had taken place under the worst of circumstances. At the very bottom of the abyss, the drive to finish the railway had been unrelenting. Japanese lash was on our backs. Death was everywhere. As we turned to God, we were given strength to face up to our difficulties. Talks about how they had to pray. And the prayer they knew was the Lord's Prayer. How difficult it was to pray. Because they had to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To pray for our enemies. To pray for those who brought so much pain. Yes, they had to do that. God gave them grace to do it. And the book goes on to describe the change in these men. And how heaven, as it were, was opened to them. And many who did die were carried gloriously into the presence of God. We knew, he says, we knew all about sin. We had seen it for ourselves, how low man can fall. We wanted to learn now what Christianity had to say about our redemption. He describes service when the little room was crowded to the walls, the hut filled up many nationalities Australians, Americans, Dutch my heart he says swelled at the sight of them their faces were gaunt hollow cheeked skin drawn tight over the bones but determination written reflected in their eyes and courage faith hope and love that's history that's what grace does there's no affliction which grace is not able to turn to blessing and to good and I say here's a fourth reason why grace is so surprising there's nothing else in the world that can do that God's grace does it the last reason that grace is so wonderful and surprising is the promise that's in our text you notice how the text moves from the plural to the singular God says I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed collective plural and her seed another collective plural and then suddenly the singular he shall bruise your head God is speaking to Satan and he's speaking of one whose power would exceed all the powers of Satan and lead to his final complete destruction head Satan will be crushed and broken Lord Jesus Christ God not only reveals grace and promises in scripture but he has himself come we beheld his glory says the disciple glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the incarnation of Jesus Christ was the incarnation of grace Herod tries to slaughter the infant children Satan immediately opposes him Jesus in the synagogue at Capernaum and an evil spirit cries out let us alone what have we to do with thee thou Jesus of Nazareth are you come to destroy us the devil's kingdom was falling Jesus says strong man armed keepeth his goods in peace but when a stronger than he cometh he taketh from him 
his goods. And that's a picture of what Christ does. We were prisoners in our unbelief. Christ comes, sets us free. Wonderful verse in Isaiah 49. A whole chapter in Isaiah 49 is prophesying of the extension of Christ's kingdom in all the world. Come from the east and the west and the north and the south. And then the question, shall the prey be taken from the captive or the lawful captive delivered? Shall the prisoner be taken from the mighty, from the powers of darkness? Shall he be delivered? Thus saith the Lord, the prey, the prisoner of the mighty shall be taken away. God's promise, exactly as we have it in Genesis 3.15. And when we see our Lord amongst men, speaking with them, setting them free, tenderly addressing them, it's grace, grace. Dying thief, we receive the just rewards of our deeds. Grace intervenes. Today you will be with me in paradise. Grace interposing himself for our sins dying the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God and when we see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and know that it is this Saviour who is given to us as we receive him by faith we ourselves are set free we can say O death where is thy sting Christ has done what we could never do we are reconciled to God by the death of his cross grace of God says Paul has appeared unto all men that's it to you and to me this grace has appeared and grace in Jesus speaks to us calls us to obedience and faith and repentance for a time I served a church in Sydney Australia and there was a young man in the congregation who was a singer and his living by singing well, that's a reasonable thing to do, but uh, sometimes he used to sing in nightclubs, and that wasn't the best thing for a Christian to do. And he found himself one night, perhaps it was early morning, when people were more than half drunk, and suddenly someone shouts out to him, Sing us Amazing Grace! Well, this young man didn't know what to say, but he sang it. And as he sang it, he came to the resolution that he'd never sing in a nightclub again. wasn't the place for a Christian to be. You see, when the grace of God comes to us, it changes our view of everything. And the more we understand the grace of God, the more we offer up ourselves to this Saviour who has so loved us to come into this world. Now, my friends, is grace surprising to us? You know how people sing the hymn Amazing Grace, but they don't think it's amazing. Why? They haven't seen. They've never been set free. When we understand what God has truly done for us poor sinners, then grace is indeed the most wonderful thing in the world. We live upon grace. We die upon grace. Remember, John Bunyan talks about Mr. Honest, who comes to the river of death as we shall all come and what were Mr. Honest's last words he says grace reigns so he left the world that's the witness of Christians and I 
call upon you this evening for those who have not yet truly given themselves to Christ to think about this wonderful promise and if you find in your heart a reluctance to faith a reluctance to repentance don't be surprised that belongs to us all by nature but call upon him whose power to set everyone free he can change your desires make you a new person we have to come to him in faith and repentance may he bless his word to us shall we pray O God our Father in heaven help us we pray speak to us not only at this hour of worship but speak to us when we are alone call upon us give us a desire to turn to thee give us true hunger for thy word reveal to us the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ that we might know that love that passes knowledge Lord help us we pray as we cast ourselves upon thee bless each home we represent we have many needs we bring them to thee and pray for strength and help and for thy presence Lord Jesus go with us keep us each one bring us together to that eternal kingdom where there is no sin or death or any such thing pardon all our sins receive our thanks and praise as we ask in Jesus name Amen